to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul and my co-host Justin Baker, live in studio, finally. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi. It's great to see your face. It's been a couple weeks. I know. Well, uh, of course, we've been doing the show just, you know, via via Skype. Skype. Skype, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, a lot of big news since the last time we talked. Of course, the NHL draft lottery happened over the weekend. Very thrilling. You know, the most thrilling thing that's happened over the last few days. Not the double overtime games that we've seen. No. That's that's not thrilling. No, not at all. No, we really want to focus in on that lottery (laughs) draft. I was being honest. When I heard that the Canadians, the Hurricane, and the Sabres had the top three picks, I was ready to lose my mind if Montreal got the top pick. Dude, like I, I would have been pissed. I, yeah, well, as a Maple Leafs fan, I would understand for sure. But instead, he'll be on the Sabers, and yeah. people are saying, I, "I, you know, I've I've write for a Leaf site and stuff, and uh, and people on there. Oh crap! Now we're gonna have to see Dolan, you know, six five or six times a year." And I said, "Relax, he's gonna be on the Sabers. Right. <laughs> They're horrifically run. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, they." I uh, their their owner when he took over the whole idea was like he was a he was a Buffalo guy grew up a Sabres fan and, and an open was, checkbook right and he was going to do all these great things which he he has done great things for the like the infrastructure of the team because there's more money involved but man it really has not produced much on the ice I mean they already got Eichel and we were supposed to be afraid that we'd be playing against Eichel all the time but here's the thing the Sabres are going to beat the Leafs regardless because they always do. <laughs> The Leafs, even when they're in last, or when the Sabres are the worst team, the Leafs can't beat them. I mean, it happened at the end of the season. I think they played, what, like five, four times in the last month? And I think the Leafs won once. So, yeah, wow. When it just It's weird. And not that the Leafs had anything to play for, but definitely the Sabres didn't. Although there could, there is the argument that it's like, all right, get out there for this rivalry type of game. But, uh, yes, Buffalo Sabres win the draft lottery, and the Montreal Canadiens get second. The Carolina Hurricanes, I think, what was their odds of getting that pick were like 5% or something like that? Yeah, not good. And so with the 11th best odds, get the third overall pick, which it's great for them. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it could be Shvetsnik. that's who they're going to pick. Svechnikov and, well... I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, they have the two. Sorry, they have the two yeah. and Montreal has the three. I, I would... I hope that Montreal takes Brady Kachuk. Oh, really? Because, to me, that's the exact kind of player they're missing. I mean, he would fit very well in that system. Don't get me wrong. I, I know think. that Zadina is the the guy that people are talking about. Yeah. Going, I, like, either two or three. and Regardless, I think both Carolina and Montreal desperately need... a just a, a big scoring winger and they're going to get it in either one of those three guys we talked about here yeah so yeah. it's fine for them uh i mean if you were going to you're going to pick 11th and now all of a sudden you're picking second right uh that's that's a win yeah that's great yeah <laughs> yeah you're going to get a, a player that's going to change the face of your franchise and so i mean it, it it's interesting that this news them getting the second overall pick comes in conjunction with them completely terminating Ron Francis's contract, and he's free to roam. Weird. And with that, Lou Lamarillo not coming back as the Leafs' general manager, he will stay in a senior advisor role, much like, uh, I think, a Scotty Bowman in Chicago mm-hmm. is the senior advisor there. So a similar role to that. Uh, it sounded like Lou Lamarillo wasn't... 
uh, it's not exactly what he wanted. Based on the quotes that I've read, kind of like he didn't want to stay as an advisor. That or? he didn't. That he wants to still be the GM. Oh, okay. Because the the quotes that I've read are, well, you know, this is what I signed up for: a three year deal as a GM, and then another four years as an advisor. And so, I mean, that's fine. That I'm gonna I'm gonna carry out what I said I was gonna do. But I think that when he signed that three years ago, he was thinking that you know he'd probably be able to stay as the gm and yeah. be able to rework that and now he's not and so uh it's yeah it's interesting could we see in the future lou lamarillo traded <laughs> to another team i mean because he's under contract right and so yeah. you you can i remember like when babcock left detroit mm-hmm. you had they the leafs had to well, like they had to give the wings a third round pick or something like yeah. that, or a second round pick, it's like compensation, basically. Which, which that actually has is gone now. You don't have to do that anymore, right? But if a guy's under contract, I'm pretty sure you can still trade management for picks. Interesting. I'd have to look that one up. That actually yeah. has happened before. I can't remember who it was. I I feel like it was something involving the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to check that. Barry but, Melrose, uh, but someone got <laughs> traded somewhere, and uh, but in, in any case, it just is very interesting that those things happen. Francis gets terminated. Lamarillo not being named GM. Of course, you have Kyle Dubas there, who was asked to go interview with the Colorado Avalanche and was denied last year when they were potentially looking for a a new GM. And uh, I think along with Mark Hunter, who is the other assistant GM. And and Mark Hunter is the one who basically was like, no, we're drafting Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're not taking any of, there was a several defensemen that were, Ivan Provorov was one of them. And so we're taking Marner. And I think it's worked out. I think that Marner was probably the, the right choice. Not that you could have gone wrong with any no, of the other players that they picked. Not. But let, let's be honest. I, I really do think, well, I'm going to get your take when I say this, mm-hmm. a high quality impact defenseman just doesn't have the same impact on the score sheet as a high end forward. Yeah, I would agree with that in the sense that, so there's, when you look at that sort of thing right now with the new NHL, the way it is in terms of speed, scoring, puck movement, I think there's certain levels of defensemen now that can make an impact when you talk about guys like Brett Burns, Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson. Like, they're up there at that that tier, right? John John Kleenberg, those guys, maybe there's, you know, half a dozen of those players where they can make that sort of impact that a high-quality top-six forward can, but then below them, I would much rather take a guy like Mitch Marner, right? you know, right. over that, for sure. What is stopping a team from saying, Eric Carlson, we'd like you to play forward for us because we want you to be in more scoring positions and we think you'd be more valuable up there. Because Brent Burns was a forward he was a so defenseman was and a forward. Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah, he moved back and forth. And I, now I think Carlson is actually a very underrated defense mm-hmm. man, like in terms of actually playing, being able to play good defense. Uh, but there's some, some defensemen around, why don't you just go play forward? Yeah. P.K. Subban or Eric Carlson, well, maybe. But to me, he's most valuable from his position to be able to to force 
players to cover him up at the blue line mm-hmm. because they don't want to deal with the shot, as sure. we saw in the game against the Jets, which we will certainly get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's he's so dangerous that you have to you have to play the blue line, which opens up more space underneath. And Nashville takes advantage of that big time. I mean, they yeah. they they have been cycling the puck so well in that series. I mean, game one, Winnipeg had 16 shots on goal. Yeah, that's that's shocking. <laughs> and they won four to one. <laughs> Nashville had forty eight shots on goal and and only scored once. So yeah, and it, it does. On the one hand, it goes to show you shots on goal don't mean much, right? But sixteen to forty eight, they mean something. In that yeah, like, a little bit, you had the puck the whole freaking time, and you got <laughs> unlucky. Uh, let's. Uh, Let's just take that series as a whole between the two games because we haven't mm-hmm. talked about, you know, the game was like Friday, Sunday. So yeah. uh, between those two games, what what thoughts do you have in terms of the way those were played? Um, not maybe so much how the games themselves were played, but my biggest takeaway and thought from watching both those games was Pecorine needs to be better. If he doesn't step up, I mean, what was it? He made one really, really key save yesterday in overtime yeah yes and outside of that he hasn't really shown me that he's like last year like he is capable of stealing this series and and like you said that first game 16 shots four goals go in he needs to be better if nashville is gonna have a chance at winning this thing when it is gonna eventually take six or seven games to do yeah i will say i mean he he let in four goals i'm pretty sure winnipeg had Almost 50 shots if they didn't have 50 shots on goal in that game. Last uh, night's game? Yes, they had yeah. 50 shots. So oh, yeah. he technically had a 92% save percentage. Right. Which I, is which is I don't very, hate it. Which but, is good. But, I mean, like, for instance, you take that first game, just not very good at all. Last game, he was okay, but he has to be better. He has to step up his game because I, I like Nashville's game, and they're capable of scoring goals. But against a team like Winnipeg, who likes to hold on to the puck and likes to cycle a lot, and now that they're going back to Winnipeg, he's going to have to step up his game a little bit more. Yes. Nashville is not going to be able to put up four or five goals, I I, I don't believe anyways, in both those games in Winnipeg. So he's going to have to keep it to two, three, two games if Nashville wants to win. Yeah, I, but I, I would say that as a team, in terms of a team defense type mm-hmm. of Type of the the predators did did look like uh, that they were they were when they were in control in the mm-hmm. offensive zone things were great. However, they play very loose at yeah. times, and I think that maybe some of that is a a crossover from that Colorado series where Colorado just kind of went well. There's no way we're going to beat these guys by sitting back, right? Right, and so they just went full bore. And it almost forced Nashville to go full bore too, and ultimately Nashville was better at it. Yeah. And now Nashville continues to go full bore. We saw that in Game One, but the Predators much more calculated with their chances. Yep. Uh, scored four, and uh, and then obviously the game last night they managed they got fifty shots on goal. Well, the Predators had forty one, so it's not like they they didn't have the puck <laughs> ever right. by any means, but. Yeah, Nashville just seems to be a little looser. And when I'm thinking back to last year in the playoffs against Pittsburgh, it was much tighter, yeah. much tighter. And 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 I think that they do have the ability still to go into that shell where they can, and they're going to have to play that way on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
you don't want the white the white towels coming out. That place is going to be mad. Right. You know? <laughs> that place is going to be crazy in Winnipeg. So and that arena feels like they're right on top of you too, which is and fantastic. It's like 13,000 people, so yeah, they crazy. pack them in. Uh, yeah, so with that series 1-1, do they do you think they split or do you think that Winnipeg takes both in Winnipeg or I think they split it. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, this series just has all the makings of a seven-game series. It really does. It was, I mean, it was, it was close. It was close, and, you know, the Win- Winnipeg had some opportunities, in the, especially in the first overtime. In the second overtime, it really felt like, all right, Winnipeg needs to get kind of – they need to score here quick because Nashville's coming. Yeah. And I mean, and you could, even, you could feel it in the crowd, too. Uh, but – Anyways, so that series tied one to one, and then let's uh, let's shift over to that Vegas San Jose series because that one has been equally as entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> the word. Uh, so that series tied one one, but it sure looked like the Jets were once again gonna take a two nothing series lead and go rolling into. Uh, into San Jose up too, but goaltender interference. Yeah. Rears its ugly head once again. Yeah, sorry Martin Jones stuck his blocker out there. I I I honestly believe that they made the right call on that. However, I'm a little I'm a little old school when it comes to that because if you watch the replay, Martin Jones is out on top of the crease. He's out of the crease, yeah. in my opinion. Exactly. Out of the crease. Sticks his blocker out, you know, Vegas player comes by and hits it, spins him around, and then, of course, he can't recover quick enough to make the save. But when you're when you're out of the crease like that, in my opinion, I don't, I don't think players should be allowed to check you, but if they bump into you, I think it's okay. I think it should and, be fine. And it's not like he was by himself either. He was – certainly there was some weight from the San Jose defenseman that was covering him. Right, he almost kind of funneled him a little bit right. into right. Martin Jones. So at this point, all you you don't you just can't push as long as the, a defenseman doesn't push their arms towards a player and push him into the goalie. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is kind of shift them towards their goalie and yeah. if they get a little piece of the goalie, it's not going to be a goal. Yeah, and being an overtime like it was, the refs aren't going to make the call the other way to give him the goal because that'll that's the type of thing where you, I mean, they won't get to ref <laughs> the rest of the playoffs right. for stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, and I mean, all this goes back to you know my great idea of a crease and bringing back the crease hey, idea, but right. redoing the crease. Right. Not just bring back the crease rule, redo <laughs> the crease. I make. I think I said just have it be uh, have it be a little shorter at the top, eliminate that little bubble, mm-hmm. and make it so as soon as the goalie's out of there. Hey, just don't leave your crease. And I hate the idea that, or 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 leave the bubble in. I don't care. But what do you? I think you go goaltender. What is your ideal crease? And then work from there. Work yeah. with something that will work. And then you say, look, the crease is there to protect you. And as as soon as you're outside the crease, then you like goaltender interference is no longer a thing because you're outside the crease. Unless of course, you know, somebody comes in and, and bowls over you, which in which case is technically interference on anyone because the goalie right. doesn't have the puck. You can't just hit a guy without the puck. So it would be interference like any other interference call. And so you just add the crease rule back in. And if somebody touches the goalie while they're in the crease, it's just an auto no goal. 
Yeah. There doesn't have to be a skate in the crease. You can you don't have to have that be a rule, but you can just have if the goalie's in the crease and they get touched, that's that's that. Like there's a one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand before you can shoot again. That goalie has to be up and in position or something. You know, yeah, and no debate about is it or isn't it. It's just right. plain and clear. Now you would get, get you'd have to figure out does the goalie have to be all the way out of the crease right. or do they have to be like can they have a toe in the crease and then they're okay? You know, like in the back part of their scapie in there. Right, right, right. But it could be very defined, and they can mess with they can. Just go in the AHL and tell them this is what you're doing for a year, and we're going to see how it works, and then adjust it. And and at least in a few years, we'll have something that works in the NHL. Yeah, and speaking of – not to get off topic too quickly, but speaking of AHL and goalies, did you see the the save, what's-his-face from the Marley oh, save Garrett without the block? Yes. Uh, that was crazy. I think it was – wasn't it two saves, the bare hand? Yeah, well, yeah. one save with the bear, with the blocker, and then the blocker and then came the block, off, and then yeah. the – it was pretty cool. I liked it. But anyway. Barehanded save. Have you ever made a barehanded save? I have. It doesn't feel good. And it, But it was in roller really? hockey. Yeah. It was in roller, though. So I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still no. a puck. Yeah. It, it still hurt. It stung a little bit, but, uh, nice. you know, regardless. Did you cradle it like a like you were doing an egg toss, or did you just hard, fast, let I, it smack your hand? kind of caught it, yeah, with, yeah. Hell yeah. So, yeah. I, but, can still, I can still see the puck mark in your hand, Oh, no, thank you. It's, yeah. That would explain a lot, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you know what? I I like the idea of getting a little bit more defined area in the crease, goalies in and out sort of thing. And uh, luckily we haven't had, well, I shouldn't say, there weren't a ton of goalie interference calls in during the regular season, but I think they just all came in bunches. Um, yes. And, but luckily we haven't had too many issues in the playoffs so far. Yeah, really there's been that one was, was yeah, the big one. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Anytime that it happens in overtime, of course, it's going to be magnified. And that's, yep. That is what it is because everything in overtime is, is magnified. Uh, but that, the overtime goal in, uh, in Nashville, Kevin Fiala. Oh, that was nice. A double overtime goal. Man, just taking that two on one pass and having the patience to hold on and wait for Hellebuck to make the first move. What was even better is the, the, the pushing the play up by, by tourists. tourists. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Yes, uh, that series has so much talent in it that five four may be a regular score. Right, <laughs> right. Like I mean, it's and it's not even a knock on the goaltenders. It's the fact that there is just a lot of skill on the ice, making it much more difficult for a, a goalie to make saves because yep. you've got better shots out there. Uh, well, the Pittsburgh Washington series has been uh, exactly what we talked about. The last show we had, we said your prediction was that I think that the Washington Capitals would win the series. Yes, and I said Penguins in five. You did. Now I did caveat that <laughs> like a little bitch. I caveated that. Listen, it still and, can happen for you. <laughs> and I said that if Washington splits in Pittsburgh, that all bets are off because I I okay. really I I wasn't expecting them. First off, I wasn't expecting Malkin to be out both games. Yeah. That that kind of throws a wrench into things. But, I mean, really, Washington could easily be up 2-0 in this series. They really should. Yeah, they, they, really they should. blew that lead. Pittsburgh scored a couple quick ones. and Yesterday, and they, when I was watching the game, and Washington had that 2-0 lead in the first, I was like, nope, they're going to blow it. I know it. <laughs> Pittsburgh's just going to come <laughs> crawling back again, and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Of course they did not, but no. uh, I think that the uh, yeah that series 
does Pittsburgh doesn't look like themselves. No, they they don't. Something's missing, and of course it's Malkin. But at the same time, Malkin and Haglin both out in that first game. Did Haglin play in the second? No, 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 he wasn't in the second. He's still one out. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two of your three second line guys. Yeah. So having to shuffle around a lot, which the Penguins had to shuffle on defense a lot last year, mm-hmm. not forward wise though, and they were able to kind of do what they wanted to with their forward group because they were all healthy. And so I think that we're maybe seeing how important Malkin really is to this Penguins team. Yeah, they're not getting, outside of Getzel and Crosby, they're not getting a ton of scoring secondary-wise from anybody. Right. So, again, like you said, they desperately need Malkin back. They need Haglin back because he brings the speed and he brings a little bit of that skill. And I will say I think Nicholas Backstrom is quietly having one of his best playoffs that I've seen from him. Uh, the fact that Kuznetsov and Backstrom are able to, they both have kind of played with Ovechkin, and and, mm-hmm. and that's, we, we'll we we'll get to Ovechkin, who is maybe having his best playoff ever. Yeah. Uh, but Backstrom is allowing Kuznetsov to play with, with Ovi quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it's made, their second line has been great. And, and that's really anchored by Backstrom and his ability to go and play with other guys. And so it shows he's the impact player uh, just as much as Ovechkin was able to carry a line on his own. And so, Yeah, and the problem in the past has always been, too, that guys like Backstrom don't show up. Right, right, exactly, so. exactly. And so now he's, he's shown up, and look what's happening. Mm-hmm. The Capitals, are they upset the Blue Jackets, and, I mean, they're leaving Pittsburgh tied 1-1. I mean, of course... I could still be right in the Penguins. Leaving Washington tied 1-1. What did I say? Pittsburgh. Oh, leaving. Oh, They're going to Pittsburgh for three and four. So. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, which, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, that, yes. So can they split now in Pittsburgh? That's the question. Yeah, absolutely. Going in there, can they split in Pittsburgh? And so that's, uh, I I, if Malkin misses again, which mm-hmm. I don't at this point, I mean, we're... He's we're, skating uh, right now, they said, but yeah. they haven't confirmed he's he's coming back right. quite and, yet. And they're going to do, even if he's not playing, they're like, get out there and skate. We yeah. want them to think you're playing. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're recording this Monday at about 5.50 p.m. So it's, uh, you know, getting some of the, the warm-ups in. And, but uh, last the last series that uh, I would say is... For whatever reason, the least interesting to me, although it shouldn't be by by the players that are playing, but that Boston-Tampa Bay series, for whatever reason, is just kind of like, okay, that's the other series that's going on. Yeah. and Why do you think that is? Well, okay, I I think there's not a lot of love for Brad Marchand around the league in terms of fan bases. Not Either you really despise them or the Bruins, for that matter. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at, for instance, Vegas is is the great story. Everybody loves loves just watching them because they're exciting. They're you know this new franchise team. They had a great regular season, so so they're gonna they're gonna draw some excitement on that alone. And their opening shows are great when you yes. before the pregame yes, stuff. They're fantastic. So, um, but then you have Nashville and Winnipeg, which of course everybody is already pegged to be you know the winner of that series, the greatest be, series of all time. Right. I know. Yeah. I hear stuff like that and. Yeah, and then of course the Washington Pittsburgh series, you have just that that rivalry that's been there for the last few playoffs. Yeah. So of course that's going to draw interest from yeah. everybody. And then you just, I mean, Tampa Bay 
The two best teams in the Eastern Conference going against each other is the least drawed (laughs) game. I mean, the NHL has admitted this by going, yeah, you know what? You're going to play at three on a Saturday. Three on a Saturday. Uh, Whereas the other game was on at eight o'clock. And I'm like, well, that game's technically, I mean, that's five o'clock Pacific. So easily that game could have been on at 10. And they could have made the Tampa Bay-Boston game on at 7. For whatever reason, making it three. No, that that could have to do with. I mean, I guess there could have been some scheduling things, but I, I can't see, understand there why. I mean, but it's, it's they know it's playoff time. It's not like they're having a concert at seven right. <laughs> that night in Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. And so, I just I think that the NHL going no, we're going to make this game at three is now was it it was on NBC. Yeah. So I guess that's their well we can make it on be on NBC, but. I mean, I I love hockey. Obviously, we'll uh, I'll watch any game. Doesn't matter who's playing. Even like regular season. Even sometimes when Arizona's playing Buffalo, I tune in just because it's it's something that's on. That game, I'm just well. It's three o'clock on a Saturday, and it's actually nice out now. I I I have like some things to do. I mean, sure, I'll track it on my phone. I'll you know I'll I'll maybe turn it on for a little bit wherever I am, but. It's just a terribly inconvenient time. Why would you take the series that of your two top teams in one of your conferences and go, yeah, let's just make it at a horrible time? Yeah. And especially in a market like Tampa Bay that doesn't get a ton of viewers or a ton of, I mean, they draw fans during the, the postseason, but they don't, I mean, they're not known as a big hockey town. Well, they did. They, I mean, they're certainly, a, I would say that they're the, they're one of the better Southern climate hockey cities now 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 in the last 10 you know winning the cup definitely helped and of course it didn't help carolina much but carolina kind of won the cup when nobody knew how to play the new game Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was that first you know it was that first they have such a weird that team's so weird when you go back and look Uh, at that carolina team you go who's on that team mike commodore brenda moore (laughs) yeah rod brenda moore uh but the uh, whereas the Tampa Bay team was they won the cup the last year of the old rules, mm-hmm. and that was it was an epic an epic end Serious. to that. I mean, seven yeah. games and all that, but uh, I I just think that Tampa has had such great players go through there mm-hmm. that there has been a draw, right? Like I mean, sure. Martin St. Louis is a Hall of Famer. Steve Stamkos, assuming that he continues playing the way he plays, probably will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Kucherov, he's one of the better players in the league, and not nope. not. To, and then we could go back and we could go Vincent LeCavalier, and they had Brad Richards and all these star players on their team. And whereas you know a team like maybe Florida hasn't had the same type of yeah. type of star power, but yeah, I just I think that it's weird that they put that on such a a bad time. Uh, of course, the next the next games are on it's tonight. The, uh, no, tonight is. Yes. Yeah, right. and what's going to make you're it right. even worse is if Boston takes this game in Tampa, and then I don't think I don't think many people will tune in. Yeah, especially if it's another blowout. Yeah, Boston winning six two. I, I got to think that you know Boston clearly they caught the Leafs off guard, and it's mm-hmm. obvious they caught Tampa off guard. Uh, Tampa base played so well against New Jersey. I think maybe it's hard to go from a series against a team that's clearly a lesser opponent, right? And then go up against a team who's been going balls to the walls against the Leafs, right? And you know they come into that first one, but 
It's like uh, that A seed team that has been fighting for the playoffs for the last right. month, and they're just they're rolling when they get in. Right. I I do think that Braden Point was he was clearly targeted. They mm-hmm. you know they tried to get that Bergeron line out against Braden Point, and he looked he did not look like the Braden Point that you know has been touted as you know he's the he's the great second line center for the right. Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, all is good if you have Braden Point and he is no match for that line nobody is nobody's line can compete with that line i do just i just want to see Kucherov and Stamkos go up against that line i mean that might actually be Tampa Bay's best hope who gets the puck yeah whoever has the puck on that shift is probably going to keep the puck the whole time yeah because if you don't want to put Stamkos out there and you still think you know if you're still willing to roll the dice on Braden Point, your next best options are Kalorn and Yanni Gord and then Paquette and Callahan and Kunitz. So right, right. not much better options lower down the level. Yeah, and that may be where you know the Bruins are really... It's funny, we talked about how the Bruins didn't have the depth against the Leafs, whereas the Leafs had forward depth all the way throughout the lineup, yeah. but they were really able to expose the Leafs' defense, whereas Tampa Bay has high-end defensemen, but they maybe. Uh, their depth at forward isn't as strong as, especially against high-end players, as mm-hmm. maybe we thought. Yeah, and I mean, definitely if you compare Toronto's depth at forward to Tampa Bay's, it's clearly lacking. I mean, you got guys like Nylander down there on the third line. Right. Kadri, who scored 32 right. goals on your, as your third line center. And JVR, I mean... Yeah, yeah, they they got JVR plays fourteen minutes a game yeah. and he has thirty six <laughs> goals. Like, are you freaking kidding me? It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, well, okay. So, where do you think? Where do you see that series going from here? <sighs> it's dependent on Tampa Bay's got to win tonight. If they win tonight, I think this series goes six or seven. If they lose tonight, maybe five games. Man, it's going to be hard to go in and win two games in Boston, right? Well, like if they go down two yeah, zero, exactly, yeah. they're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it looks like the winner of that series though could win could be in the final. Like that's what's so crazy to me about. All right, we don't want to, you know, we're not going to give as much coverage to that series because it, it most likely, looking at the way that it is right now, mm-hmm. I think either one of those teams would beat the other two, Pittsburgh and Washington. You think so? I mean, it's hard to count Pittsburgh out. It really is. But if something is wrong with Malkin. Mm-hmm then Pittsburgh's in big trouble. Sure. And I, I don't disagree with you that if Pittsburgh makes it past Washington and they end up facing either Boston or Tampa, Tampa or Boston could probably beat them at this point. Now, if they go up against Washington, I think Washington has a much better shot at beating either one of these two teams, in my opinion. Remember back when Washington and Tampa were in the, what was it, the Southeast Division with Carolina and Florida? Oh, yeah. And... Every single time the Capitals won that division, <laughs> every time, yep. uh, I, I have they played. In the, I feel like they played in the playoffs before. I think they have. Tampa, Tampa, and Washington. I think they played each um, other back. That's in the a day. good question. Maybe as a as a one eight or something. I don't. Know. Huh. Oh, we'll have to check on that. But anyways, uh, any any in in terms of the series, anything else that you want to just jump on before we. Uh, move on and just kind of talk about some other things going on. Well, I think 
them splitting up, you know, you, you talk about their depth on the back end for Tampa Bay. I wonder at what point if maybe the series starts to get away from you a little bit as if you're Tampa's coach, maybe do you consider putting Hedman and McDonough on the same line to, to go out against Bergeron? Ah, ah, that's a great thought. Yeah. And have them play 45 minutes a night. Right. <laughs> what do you minimum 30? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a fascinating idea. I I got to imagine we'll see it if they are down in this series. Yeah, because those two guys I I think would be their best bet at shutting them down. But you don't want to risk that because Boston can throw out Krejci and Rick Nash looks like he's getting going a little bit right now. So and Dubrusk, I mean he's he's rolling too. So yeah, but you know. can you get Sergachev going with uh, uh, with not Strawman or yeah. Corburn, but I, I, Sergachev isn't really much of a defensive defenseman, so you're hoping he creates enough offense to keep the puck away right. from other guys. Right. Um, Which is why he's playing with McDonough, because McDonough right. is more of a shutdown guy, uh, whereas yeah, Sergachev is the the transition guy. Uh, well, that we'll find out what happens. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, as much as I, I don't like Boston, and, and that series doesn't have a lot of interest for me in terms of like a story i think is the maybe the issue Mm -hmm. there's not much of a story behind it whereas but it's freaking great hockey i mean those are two really good teams yes and every game that they played aside aside from game one that was kind of weird and sometimes game ones are just weird anyways because the two two teams are adapting you know figuring out what to do and i expect tampa to have a strong response tonight absolutely Uh, but I mean, we're we're seeing some of the best lines in hockey go head to head, and so there, there's your storyline. But you know that yeah. Stamkos Kucherov line right up against the uh, the Bergeron line is just there may not be better lines in hockey than those two. No, and there's a reason they finished number one and two in the East. Yes. So yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, so we talked a little bit about Ron Francis, his contract terminated, Lou Lamarillo moving away from the GM slot. Uh, any early predictions on who the Leafs' next general manager are, along with uh, Carolina's interim GM, Don Waddell. He was, they said he'll be our interim GM for the time being. Uh, it looks like they'll go into the draft with him, but who does Carolina look at for their general manager position too? <sighs> I think you're probably, for Carolina, you're probably going to see somebody New and fresh, I think, because one apparently Carolina doesn't want to pay them any money, right? Four hundred um, grand a year, yeah. Which I'll take, yeah, exactly. I, I will and, too. I'll do that. But the I'll tell you what, I'll take three. Wow, I'll take three hundred. You, I would how, be do, how would you survive? I would be willing. <laughs> you know, I, it would be tough to put food on the table. It but. Really would. <laughs> yeah, I, I. You know what? I I think the way their owner is, and the sense I'm getting is that he kind of wants to have his hands in everything. And a lot of your veteran GMs maybe want a little bit more separation from ownership uh, to be able to do their own thing the way they want. I think you're going to see a young, inexperienced general manager, maybe somebody from the AHL level, or like a Chica. You're yes. going to bring in a just a pure analytics guy, and then have yeah. someone else who is kind of guiding maybe the business side of things i always thought i've always thought it's weird okay let's let's pretend here there's a team for sale and you and i are jointly going to buy a hockey team together okay it's going to cost us 500 million dollars to buy said team which is more money than i can ever fathom (laughs) Uh, obviously i've worked together in order to have that kind of cash we have worked very hard and done a lot of 
good things in business in order to be that successful. So we go and we buy that team. Mm-hmm. And then some some guy who has, you know, he's played hockey or he's been in management before, he's he's going to tell us, just leave this part to me. Thanks for the money. I'd be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> right. I paid for this. Sh- <laughs> like... This is my team, no, I, and you get to you get to do some of the things that I don't really want to have any part. Like I don't have maybe have knowledge, or but that doesn't mean that you get to just have you know the ability to do whatever you want, right? I I, I always think that it's weird when I, I I know that you're just you know saying the idea that's always been out there is that like a more veteran GM is going to want more freedom to do what he thinks is best for a team which is understandable of course everybody wants autonomy in the workplace but Mm -hmm. i just don't understand how you can expect full autonomy over oh i I paid 500 million dollars but go ahead do whatever i'm gonna just sit over here and i got the checkbook ready yeah how can somebody be so arrogant to assume that (laughs) that is because you've spent so long in the game that or oh you want to stay on the cup 12 years ago, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Great. I don't know why I'm going to give you full control. I I actually, I have more of a problem with Carolina's new owner with the way that he's publicly, at least, perceived. Seen that, seen that he's treated Ron Francis, who is the best player in their franchise's history. Yes. There's very few best players in their franchise. Like, <laughs> we're not talking about the Maple Leafs, where you know you've got a ton, or we're or the Red Wings, or the Canadians, or something. We're talking about the Carolina Hurricanes. They've won one Stanley Cup, been to two finals, and Ron Francis is basically the centerpiece of all of it. Yeah, along with back. I mean, he was with the organization when when they were in Hartford. I know. and the guy is <laughs> he he's very respected. On top of that, like a mm-hmm. good guy, and it just seems like. He's kind of been tossed tossed out without much fanfare, and I, it seems strange to me. And so I don't like that. But at the same time, I I get it. You just spent a ton of money on the team, and you're going to go. I don't think that the way that you're running the team is the way I see this team running. And so we got to just let you go. I actually think he. I mean, obviously they were gonna, they were paying Ron Francis a good more than a million a year. Oh, I'm sure. And so. To terminate his contract, he would have to agree to that. You can't just go, nope, we don't want this contract anymore. Right. We fired you. We're not paying you, though. You can't do that. And yeah. so, obviously, he agreed because he wants to go and pursue management somewhere else. Sure. So, it's, I mean, I think yeah, that it's a, a good, okay. yeah. oh, yeah, hey, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a great point. I, I just, I think that as we move forward there's going to be more owners that are more involved, involved. sure and i mean because it's too much money now it's not like 30 million like it used right. to be now not the 30 million is anything to not bat an eyelash at but it's not the same thing as right and like for instance when seattle's coming to league they're going to have to pay i think upwards of 600 to 750 I, million in expansion fees so yeah i could see why owners want to get involved but and you look at it like a cuz in a sense, it is a business still. And a lot of your owners are guys that have been, like you said, successful financially um, to make the money they did to buy these teams. Hockey is is a business, and owners are probably going to still run it that way, but yet the kid in them is still going to be like, oh, I remember playing NHL 17 and playing GM mode, and I got to make all these trades, and I want to do stuff like that still. And There's- I don't see why 
if they wanted to, they could. Right. They absolutely could. They could fire their GM and just take over as general manager without a second thought. Um, but I think most of these guys are smart businessmen. And at some point, you have to realize it has to be ran like a business where you have to have guys at different levels to manage because as an owner, there's just going to be a ton to do and a right, ton right. for you, you to work. You can't do everything by yeah. yourself, obviously. So, yeah. But I, I'm not upset with the idea that an owner wants to be a little bit more involved because let's face it, I, I think what the Yankees are a perfect example. Steinbrenner like to get heavily involved in everything sure. uh, and they were very successful. So there is a balance you can strike there, but I think right now the perception that I get from news outlets, and this may not even be true, but is that he is trying to basically just say, I want somebody to dance for me and be my puppet and that's what I'm looking for and that's why I'm only going to pay him 400000 because he's not really going to do any work. Except for what I tell him to do, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, and that's. I, I mean, you're going to get somebody who, who wouldn't normally get a GM job, maybe, yeah. or or maybe more on the, along the business side of things. I, I I don't know, but I actually. So I went to a very small school mm-hmm. for college, Rochester College in Rochester Hills, Michigan. It was like, I think a thousand people lived on campus, you know, like eighteen hundred total of the school, wow. and. A guy that I had a couple classes with, uh, I, can't, I off the top of my head, I can't even remember his name. It's not, I, I'm not gonna claim to be friends with him or anything, I just, I had <laughs> classes with him. You were And it's a very small school. And he's the general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Stop. <laughs> Never played pro basketball. Like he was on the basketball team, I think, in college mm-hmm. at this like NAIA school. Uh, but he's a general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. Because of his ability to, I'm, I, th- I think it had something to do with his analytics. Yeah. Uh, and so, I think that's what we're going to see is guys who are maybe not necessarily professional hockey, former pro players, mm-hmm. but it's going to be more of a, hey, who can bring me the best numbers and crunch this thing and money go ball stuff. and do a money ball. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, best predictions of, of course, on the other side, the Leafs, they're not going to, they, they have no money restraints. No. <laughs> uh, um, they're making plenty of money. Who do you think will be their next GM? Obviously, right now we're going Mark Hunter, Kyle Dubas, but is there an outside player that pops into your mind when you think of an available GM to come and be the GM of the Maple Leafs? Boy, you know, three years ago when when I heard Lou Lemoreno's contract was only going to run three years, I initially thought it was going to be Kenny Holland taking over. Oh. But, of course, a couple weeks ago, Wings came out and said that Kenny Holland's going to get a two-year extension. Right which I totally disagree with, but that's a whole other topic for another show. Um, outside of that, I... I can't wait for Red Wings off-season talk. Oh, yes. It's going to be great. Um, I I honestly don't really think of anybody off the top of my head that I think will fill the role because I keep just going back to Kyle Dubas. I really think that's going to be their next guy. Yeah. It it seems like that would is the logical choice because they Avalanche wanted to talk to him and they blocked it. And I don't know what his contract looks like. I don't think that that is as public as the GM, and probably not. So, but then you've got Mark Hunter, who has basically, for all intents and purposes, is the is the director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's what happens: is Dubis is the GM, and Mark Hunter gets named director of player personnel, and you've got Shanahan as the president, and then. You know, you bring in somebody, you've got Lou Lamarillo, who's still a senior advisor, and then you have maybe a new, younger assistant GM coming in behind them. 
Yeah. And kind of change the structure a little bit. That's what uh, Columbus, I think, did. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you, if you want to look outside, I think one, one name that, that kind of pops in my head, too, is that's been on a lot of people's lists for a long time. Brian is, Burke? No. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> He's on nobody's list. Let's just make that clear. How about Mark uh, Bergevin? Mark Bergevin, stop. Um, the assistant no. GM in Nashville, Paul Fenton, I think uh, his name yes. is. Yes. Yeah, I think he, he might be a good candidate. And I think uh, there's another assistant GM, GM at in for the LA Kings, I think, that I've heard everybody's, everybody's like tossed his Fuda. name. Yeah, Fuda. that's yeah. him. But other than that, that I, would strike me as strange, though, to go, Lou, we don't want you. We're going to go outside the organization for someone else. Right. That would be strange. Absolutely. It would but be very strange. What do you think about like bringing in so maybe like a former player type? Matt Sunbeam. Yeah. Like, I mean, just a, a guy who could be a face like, a, you know, like Ron Francis was. I think that that face is Shanahan. Yeah. I, I don't think. Does he take Babcock. over the role? It's Shanahan I mean, and Babcock. I don't think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that he's, I think he's much more executive than he is a GM. Uh I, I certainly think that he's had input with and and that's just going to be and and really where things are going in general. It's not one guy who just goes, "This is what I'm going to do." Everybody bow to me. It's going to be a GM who does this research on this player and and goes and says, "Hey, here's the deal I was able to work up." And then you've got Lamarillo on the side who says, "No, that's a bad idea because of this," or oh, "It's a good idea," or maybe throwing this player. And you've got Shanahan who's going to oversee it all and different guys who are good at different analytics and scouting mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And so I think you're, I mean, like anything, you don't just get one voice, you get five voices and then right. you do have ultimately one person who goes and puts the stamp on it. Right. But it, it certainly isn't just one guy making the calls anymore. Like maybe it used to be where it was like, all right, I'll get some input, but this is what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, anything else that you want to, you want to hit on before we bail? Bail? That's interesting. Bail, yes. Mm, I haven't heard that term in a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, um, real quick, just a quick yes or no, I guess. Did you did you see Tom Wilson's hit? Yes. Yeah. Suspension? Uh, I always feel like everyone's going to get suspended nowadays. <laughs> and so I will say yes. Although I, I really haven't heard it, I haven't heard anything about a hearing. So maybe the answer is no, he won't get suspended. But okay, yeah, I. The deeper it goes in the playoffs, does it become more of a well? We're so deep in the playoffs. I like, can I suspend a guy in the Stanley Cup Finals for the same thing you suspend him in the regular season? I think they'll. There has to be more intent or? to harm a, a player. I think. Like if Kadri did what he did, right? In Suspension. in game two of Stanley Cup Finals, does he just get one game instead I think of that's three? Possible. Absolutely, or two instead of three? Yeah, because the NHL want want it to be as exciting as possible and leaving off better players. If if it's like a fourth line guy, yeah, he still gets three games, but with a big name player, he might only get one. Uh. So, but here speaking of suspensions, though, I just read this. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Red Wings prospect Giovanni Smith. Um, oh, I did see this. He, I yeah. saw he gets suspended. Yeah, for Game 7. He's he's a prospect. For those who don't know, he went by the bench of the opposing team after their win Flick and flipped off. everybody off. And I'm just like, what an idiot. And so he's getting suspended now for that. But I think he should. That is just a fine. 
I agree to. Absolutely. Just fine them. That's but still that's an like idiot you, move. You're dumb. Yeah. You're fined. But don't do it again or we'll suspend you. Now I would be, if I was a coach, I might bench him. Maybe he's done something else in the past that where this isn't the first thing that yeah. he's done. I don't now know. you're going to get a team that's motivated and just angry. Right. Off. So as a coach, I would bench the player anyways. Just Especially that, since you were down 3-2 in the series. Right. <laughs> How, why are you doing that? You were down, you've already lost three games to that team. Yeah. It is tight. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's weird. Um, I think we're going to have to pretty soon do a mock draft. Yeah, um, I We'll do a few mock drafts because sometimes things can change, uh, especially trades. But I think that maybe we'll uh, we'll go through the, the top ten yeah. for our, our first section of our mock draft and kind of go through that. I'm okay with that. And, and like one thing I love doing, um, I know a lot of – Maybe a lot of guys don't do this, but I like the idea of me thinking, okay, this team will likely trade back, so I'm going to throw that trade into my mock draft. Okay. You know, okay. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but maybe that's something we In do. the top 10, not too many teams trade back. No, not not too many. Um, I'll give not you surprisingly, though, the Ottawa Senators have decided that they will uh, hold on to their pick. Not surprisingly. That is, that is fourth overall, I believe. Yeah, they need and, to uh, get a defenseman because apparently they're going to lose one. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> 